Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2014 movie, If I Stay, based on a novel by Gail Foreman. Because apparently Courtney is depressed and she wants to drag us all down into the gutter. (laughs) Not everybody dies. Most of them die. But (laughs) not everybody well, you know, it's us. So if it's depressing, it just means we'll we'll be extra funny. The movie starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Jamie Blackley. Jamie Blackley is the boyfriend? Mm-hmm. What other movies has Chloe been in? So she was in the new Carrie movie, 500 Days of Summer, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Big Mama's House 2. Okay, <laughs> that one's random. <laughs> <laughs> um, She was in Dark Shadows. Can we take a second and just say, I understand that in movies, sometimes they have to put wigs on actors because the actors might have different roles and they might not be able to dye their hair or whatever. Mm -hmm. They do it for continuity, I think. But the wig she is wearing in this movie is so unnatural. It does not move. I don't think she was wearing a wig in this movie. I really, I think she was. You should Google it. Okay, hold on. Okay, she did. She had short blonde hair at the time. See, I know my wigs. Your ability to identify wigs blows my mind. I think it's a brown girl thing. I think us brown girls, like we look at the hairline and we know immediately. We're like, nope, that's a wig. You can fool white people, but you can't fool brown people when it comes to wigs. Okay, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I've worn a wig like twice in my life and they were both for Halloween. And did you feel like they looked super real? Was everybody like, oh my God, Courtney? Did you grow your hair 12 inches for Halloween? (laughs) Okay, so Chloe plays this girl named Mia Hall. She's a high school girl. And Mm -hmm. she has a very interesting talent that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. She plays the cello. I don't know why, but the cello terrifies me. Yeah. It's just so haunting to me. You want to hear something funny? Do you remember White Boy James? He played the cello. You're the love of your life who you wanted to marry, but you settled for your husband. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? 12-year-old me was a completely different person. Yes. It's interesting you mentioned that because you're referring to this kid who had bad boy vibes and then he played the Mm -hmm. cello. I I wouldn't expect that. Okay. He didn't just have bad boy vibes. He was a bad boy. Like it's... Courtney, if he played the cello, he was not that bad of a boy. (laughs) Okay. No, listen, he he was. I have no excuse for myself. Or your sister, to be honest, because she dated him. So... We, uh, if you want to hear more about that love triangle, you can go listen to episode three, I believe it is. <laughs> episode three of our podcast. Yeah, Courtney relives her love triangle times. <laughs> it's okay. I came out the winner here, so. Is he in your basement? <laughs> no. Mia is really talented with the cello, and it kind of mm-hmm. makes her a little bit the black sheep of her family. Yeah, because her parents were really into the punk rock scene. Her dad was in a band called Nasty Bruises. Her mom was just kind of a punk rock groupie. So the fact that their daughter grew up to be in love with classical music and play a classical music instrument, her parents were like, ah, 
We did everything <laughs> right, but things still went so wrong. It's the only way she could rebel. Screw your punk rock music. I shall play the cello. Well, she couldn't like run off with, you know, a band and do drugs and stuff because her parents would have been like, way to go living your life, honey. You know, she had to do yeah. the opposite. So Mia became this studious cello player. She's an introvert. She's the exact mm-hmm. opposite of her parents. Yeah, her parents are like, hey, let's play hooky today and go eat ice cream for breakfast and watch horror movies. And poor Mia's like, I have a science test. I don't fucking think so. And Mia also has a younger brother, Teddy. Mia's dad quit his band right around the time that Teddy was born. And so Mia just always assumed that was the reason why her dad quit the band. And she would ask her dad sometimes like, hey, dad, like, do you miss being a rock star? Yeah. And dad basically just says, hey, listen, being in the band was an adventure and that adventure played itself out. And I went on to the next adventure, being a parent. I mean, is it an adventure or is it a a, a horror house? Is it a haunted house of horrors? (laughs) It's a sentence. (laughs) Being a parent is a sentence. For having sex. (laughs) You whore, I sentenced you to 18 (laughs) years of suffering. (laughs) Minimum. Minimum. Yeah, for sure. Totally a sentence. And so her parents, even though they're not in the punk rock scene anymore, and we don't know what they do for a living, though. I think dad's a teacher of some sort. Okay, he's probably like a music teacher or something. But even though they're not in that scene, they are so supportive of Mia. Like she is. Yeah. I was joking when I said she was a black sheep. She is actually the golden child. They think it's amazing how talented she is. And her parents are super like it's all gravy, baby. You know, like her parents don't seem to take anything particularly serious. It seems like it's the kind of parents you would want as a teenager. And yet Mm -hmm. every time you see parents like that with a teenager, the teenager is always like a square, you know, that does everything by the book. (laughs) Because you have to rebel. You have to rebel one way or another. And if your parents are rebellious, then you have to do the anti-rebellion. Do you know how I rebelled, Rose? How? I put less coffee creamer in my dad's coffee. Or sometimes I would put an extra (laughs) scoop of coffee in the coffee maker or one less scoop just to fuck with them. I could just picture like young Courtney, like nostrils flaring because she was punished just being like, I'll show you, dad, like extra quarter teaspoon of creamer. (laughs) Sometimes when I made when I ironed my dad's uniform, I would make his creases off center. So he'd look like a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? That's all I got for you. So I would say overall, Mia has a pretty good life. Like, you know, her home life is pretty good. And then at school, she is, you know, obviously she's part of the music group or whatever they're called. What are Mm -hmm. they called? Band. The band. (laughs) She's She's in a band, but not a band. She's in the band. She's in the band. When the word the is in front of it, it just takes the coolness away. You know, it's like it's like a leather jacket without sleeves. It's a leather vest. You know, it's not cool anymore oh yeah i was in a band in high school oh really which band um marching band (laughs) (laughs) the band Um, it's funny my husband was in marching band in high school (laughs) mia has a best friend in school and but i think apart from that it, it seems like she's pretty much an introvert and she just keeps to herself she keeps to herself until one day one foggy actually it was pretty sunny that day one (laughs) normal everyday tuesday 
She catches the eye of this charismatic, leather jacket-wearing, floppy, wavy, dark hair teenage boy named Adam, who's in an actual band, very reminiscent of her dad's band. Yes, like a punk rock band. And not just Mm -hmm. that. Obviously, Adam is in high school. He's a senior at this point. And I Mm -hmm. think she's a junior at this point. Yes. But he's already kind of has a name for himself in local circles. Mm -hmm. So people know who he is. He's he's a little bit famous. He's like small town famous. Yeah, he's that dude in their small town where he's like, he's going to be something one day, you know? Yeah, so Adam notices Mia. She's in the music room, I guess, and she's playing the cello by herself. And she is in the zone. She's like really into the song she's Mm -hmm. playing. And I think because Adam, obviously, he's a musician. He's so taken by this beautiful girl Mm -hmm. who is like lost in the song that she's playing. Even though they are on completely separate sides of the music spectrum, I think he's really enchanted by the zone, you know? Honestly, there's just something very attractive about people who are passionate about something. So our bad boy is smitten with little Mia and he asks her out. He's like, hey girl, saw you playing. Hey girl, what that cello do? (laughs) (laughs) It hurts my back, to be honest. (laughs) It's it's, it's really hard to sit here holding this giant freaking... My thighs are killing me. (laughs) Well, Mia and Adam have a lot of chemistry right off the bat. He does tell her, he's like, I have, I just happened across two tickets to the symphony. And so he takes her to the symphony. He's wearing a suit, which is just so adorable. Adam shows up at Mia's house. Adam tries to impress the dad and he's like, oh yeah, you were in Nasty Bruises, right? I have your CDs. And Mia's dad's so chill about it. He's like, you're the one that bought them. (laughs) Yeah, so Adam definitely has like kind of bad boy vibes, but he's actually so Uh sweet. Like he's so sweet with Mia. He is. He is like a perfect gentleman, man. Yeah, he is. He didn't actually get these tickets from a family friend like he told Mia. He actually used like two weeks of paychecks to buy the tickets for the symphony to impress her. I know, and I thought that was so sweet because obviously like this isn't the music that he listens to. Meanwhile, Mia sits around her room literally playing classical music on the radio. Like, I don't know. I would get my kid checked out. <laughs> like something, something is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Adam takes her to the symphony. She has a fantastic time. And he does that teenage boy thing where he just, they're both looking ahead and he just gently slides his hand under hers to hold her hands. Yeah. She's fangirling out a little bit. He's fangirling out a little bit. They're both smiling, but they're not looking at each other. Right. I love that. I look at each other. I love the sweet, tender, like young love moments. And they have a lot of those. He takes her to his shows. And at first, she's not really vibing with it because this is not her scene. Right. She doesn't know what to do. And same. I don't know what to fucking do. Like, do, 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 I, do I dance? Do, <laughs> what? You know, I was thinking, too, even though he's so into her and even though they connect because of music, their mm-hmm. lifestyles are so different that I just don't know how it would work in the long run because she is such an introvert. She doesn't like the mm-hmm. party scene. And he's a rocker. Like, he is partying after his shows. Somehow, they just kind of bond and they keep going on these cute little dates. We get a cute little montage at one point in there of the relationship and them just having a great time together, just being goofy. 
at a certain point, Adam graduates high school. He's out. So now he's touring. He's His band is doing shows in different cities. And I would mm-hmm. think that this would be the natural end to their relationship, but it isn't. No, he calls her after, you know, gigs and stuff. And they're doing pretty well until she tells him that she applied to Juilliard and got an audition. He gets really upset. And the reason is that they had made plans that she was going to go to the local school in Seattle because they live in Seattle and Mm -hmm. that they were going to move in together because his band is based in Seattle. So he always goes back there and Mm -hmm. For a second, I thought, is he going to be that douchebag that like guilts a girl for having her dreams? Because she's been very supportive of his. And he is that dude for a second. Yeah. I mean, for longer than a second, he is that dude. (laughs) He's like, you lied to me. He's like, you broke your promise. We were supposed to do this, this and this. Yeah. Listen, I will defend Adam to the day I die because he is such a sweetheart. Mm -mm. But I love Adam. But Mia has a point when she says, what, so you can go live your dream, but I can't live mine? No, 100%. She's absolutely right there. I think what happened in this moment is that he felt completely blindsided because they had talked and they had built a future together in their minds, the way kids do, Mm -hmm. the way teenagers do, right? It's so Mm -hmm. easy to plan an imaginary future. And then she threw him a curveball. Like, actually, I might be going to college across the world, like across the country, which might might as well be across the world. If he's touring, what does it matter if she's in New York or back home in Seattle? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, these they're young, right? You know, how reasonable were you at 17? (laughs) (sighs) Well, I followed a boy to college, so... (laughs) I mean, in his suitcase, right? No. Did you really follow your husband in college? Mm -hmm. And so the only reason you went to that school was because he was he was going there. Mm -hmm. Did he immediately start dating you again? No, it took about a little over a year. Okay. Yeah. Don't recommend. (laughs) Don't recommend getting into debt for a boy. (laughs) I'm an exception. Well, I would have went to college up here anyways. Mm -hmm. But I'm the exception, not the rule here. Um, And I didn't know about the exceptions and the rules back then. (laughs) Um, But it was a really bad year of waiting. Oh, I think this is a very normal thing for young couples to go through where it's like someone is graduating or even both people when they graduate. It's like the relationship is Mm -hmm. going to change in a way that you can't put back together. Well, and also a senior in high school is at a very different time in their life than a freshman in college. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like those, your ages are so close, but y'all's perspectives on things are so fucking different. Your opportunities are different. Yeah. And it's just, it is, those are not the same points in life. Well, yeah, and that's a really good point because here we have Adam who is in a rock band touring. And let me tell you something about Adam, okay? When Adam is just in a regular scene talking to Mia, he looks like he's 12 years old. When Mm -hmm. Adam is up on that stage singing, he looks like he's 35 and a half. Like, he looks like a whole damn snack up there on that stage. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's like, he, I'm serious. He looks so much older on that stage. He His hair gets all in his face. He's got the vibe. He's sweaty. He, oh, my God. Like, I, I'm uncomfy. <laughs> At one point, Mia is talking to her friend, Kim. And she says that she really likes seeing him when he gets off stage. She's like, he's so sweaty. And I just want to lick the side of his face. <laughs> yes. 
That's a medical condition. Being horny is a medical condition. (laughs) And see, like, listen, teenage horny is way different than like grown up horny. Okay. Well, and you know what? Yeah, that's so true. Because where do they have sex for the first time? They go to this like freaking boat outhouse. It's like a boat garage. It's like a boat garage. And I just kept thinking like, it's kind of sad that teenagers have to go to these rundown places to get some nookie and they're risking getting like ticks in their butt cracks, you know? Dude, listen, the places the teenagers are willing to do the nasty as an adult just kind of horrifies me. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, I just had this horrible thought where I was like, maybe we should have a place for teenagers to have sex. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) no. Listen, (laughs) if if they want to get laid bad enough, they're going to they're going to do it whether or not they have a place or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't you can't stop it. No, it's true. But I don't know. I love them together when they're by themselves. But then you see them around other people and you could see like this chasm between them, you know, where it's like Mm -hmm. after one show, Adam is being just surrounded by women and inadvertently Mia is getting kind of pushed aside. And obviously that's not his intention, but I think she's just coming face to face with the fact that he is living a different life than she wants for herself. Yeah. So she goes outside to wait for him and she's reading a book for school and he comes out and he's being sort of a douche. He's like, you know, if you're that bored that you have to read, maybe you shouldn't even come. I understand his resentment. This has been like a growing crack in their relationship is the fact that she seems not so much into his life. You know what I mean? Like he went to a freaking orchestra like show or whatever. Well, see, she goes to his shows though. She goes to his shows. It's obviously a lot easier for an extrovert to be in an introverted setting than it is for an introvert to be in an extroverted setting. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, so that's why I just think like they are just kind of too different as much as they love each other. He's leaving to go to Seattle to play a few shows that his new record got for the band And she asks when he'll be back. And he says, I don't know, like seven days, 10 days, maybe longer. I don't fucking know. She's like, I have an audition with Juilliard. Like most people don't even get an audition. Like I probably won't get in, but just the audition's a big deal. He gets really mad at her for even auditioning because I think he knows that if she auditions, she's going to get in because he knows how good she is. And so he just kind of sees something that they worked for sort of imploding They have this breakup where, you know, he's like, you know what? You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And that'll be that, you know? He doesn't talk to her for several weeks, I think. Well, he goes out on his tour. He misses his her birthday. Criminal offense. (laughs) Yeah. So he goes off on tour. He misses her birthday. I don't know how long into his tour. I don't know how long it's into it, but he just shows up in her bedroom one night. He shows up in her bedroom and he did this, you know, grand gesture where he printed out the ceiling mural that's going to be overhead in the auditorium where she's going to audition. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was really sweet. But also, I knew a guy that broke into a girl's apartment and did a grand gesture such as this. And he was a freaking psycho. So I don't know, a little bit of a red flag. (laughs) Well, I mean, he did climb up a trellis onto her balcony and break into her bedroom. So yeah, I just like, don't, I'm pretty sure her parents would have been cool if he just knocked on the front door to be yeah, honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's just something about breaking and entering and invading personal space that I, I just, 
I don't know why that's supposed to be sexy. I I don't know. Like, don't come into my house without my permission. I scare easily. Okay, <laughs> like it's. I'm gonna have a full blown panic attack. This is not gonna be cute. He shows her, you know, she sees the gesture and dude, she folds like a wet paper bag. Like she tries to resist at first, but then she's like, "Mm, okay, but I love you. Honestly, same. He's so cute and he's so sweet. Yeah. He's the dream boyfriend. Like what girl wouldn't go ass over titties? What's the phrase you use all the time? Ass over elbows. Ass over elbows. Yeah. Ass over elbows. Uh-huh. I was like head over heels. Like <laughs> <laughs> what girl wouldn't go head over heels, ass over elbows for this guy? He's he's everything. But she folds and they have some more cute moments together. And this leads them up to New Year's Eve. It's post Juilliard audition where Mia just kills it. She kills this audition. You know, she plays harder than she's ever played in her life. She plays better than she's ever played in her life. Adam is really happy for her. Is it bad that I can't tell the difference between her playing normally and her playing harder than she ever played in her life? I just feel like whenever somebody's playing the cello, it just looks really angry and aggressive. It's like speaking German. Yes. It's like you can't speak German gently. You know what I mean? Right. But They're at New Year's Eve. Mia goes out with Adam and the band and everything. They're all out. They're having fun. And they sort of come to a conclusion that she's pretty sure she's going to get into Juilliard. He's going back on tour with the band. And they come to sort of a mutual conclusion of, I think we know where this is going. I don't know if it's mutual, girl, because he says it. He's like, I think we know where this is going. I would just pretend I didn't hear him. I would just be like, yeah, temperatures are in the 50s. And (laughs) I would like I would literally just pretend I don't know what he's talking about. If you just play dumb, (laughs) like he can't break up with you if you like refuse to acknowledge his that he's breaking up with you. This is the thing for it to be a breakup. Both people have to agree. And if one person holds out, then you're still together. I love that. Yeah. I wish you would have gave me this advice a long time ago. Just like, <laughs> when Frank was leaving for college, it's like, well, guess we're breaking up now. No, we're not. No, but I have to leave. That's okay. <laughs> we're still together forever. Mia goes home the next morning and her parents are so excited that she stayed out all night partying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, if you're still drunk, you're in trouble. But if not, well, let it slide. And she's like, definitely not drunk. And then she just starts crying. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Mia tells her parents her and Adam broke up and her mom is so sweet, by the way. Her mom just has like the best vibes. But her mom basically gives her like a really good pep talk. She's like, you are going to go to New York and you're going to go to Juilliard or you won't. Or you're going to go off with Adam on his tour and you guys are going to have this amazing adventure or you won't. Like life's really messy, girl. And you can't just not do things because you're afraid. There's always going to be what ifs or maybes. Like her mom gives her a really great pep talk. Is it a great pep talk, though? Because... I don't know. I feel like she's so young and she's so lost right now. She doesn't know what to do. And wouldn't it be so easy for a girl to just torpedo her future because she's dating a hot Mm -hmm. guy? 
You know, like I sometimes I think it's important for the parents to be the ones to make the hard choices and be like, no, you're not throwing away your future for a guy. Like be the Mm -hmm. bad guy so that they can be mad at you if it doesn't work out. Sometimes just having too many choices. I feel like her mom respects Mia as the almost adult that she is. And she's giving her kind of permission to make her own choice here. I get it. I just... I just mean that the chances of Mia making the wrong choice are like 99% because she's... But what's the wrong choice? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I think the wrong choice would be turning down Juilliard for Adam. Because I think that if they really are in love, he has the type of job that he could do anywhere. And New York City is not in the middle of nowhere for the music industry. You know what I mean? Right. He could do amazing things as a musician in New York City, but she won't be able to do amazing things somewhere else. This is, if I had to guess, what, like January, February of Mia's senior year? Yes. Her and Adam are broken up. And Adam, actually, his band made the newspaper. He is opening for a pretty big band locally. And lucky for everybody, it is a snow day for Mia, her little brother, and her dad. And mom does the responsible thing. And she calls into work to play hooky with her family. This is cute. I love. What I don't understand is why they all decide to pack into the car. Why are you leaving after a snowstorm? They say that dad... The little brother says, hey, dad, let's go build a snow monster. And dad says, hey, buddy, it doesn't look like anything's actually sticking. So I think that they're like, oh, yeah, it's like a preemptive snow day, not an actual snow day. You know, it's going to be one of those snow days where nothing sticks and parents are like, they could have gone to school. So I guess they decide to pack into the car and go drive. So they're going over to friends of the family's house. Um, Mia doesn't want to go at first. She's like, no, letters were mailed on Friday. My Juilliard, either acceptance or denial letter is going to come today. And so her parents do the only thing they can and they guilt her and bribe her into going with them. Right. I mean, classic tools of parenting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so she agrees. She's not excited. She's still kind of reeling from the breakup with Adam. Yeah. She's nervous about her Juilliard letter. She feels like she needs to stay home and study. That little nerd just doesn't know how to have fun right now. And so we get this beautiful shot of Mia's family driving down the street and there's snow on there's snow on the grass, there's snow on the trees. Mia's father is driving, Mia's mom is in the front seat, and then Mia and mm-hmm. her little brother are in their back seat. Everything seems fine. And then mm-hmm. honestly, the reason for all my anxiety plays out before my eyes. Because this is what always freaking happens in Hollywood is right when you let your guard down and allow your feelings to come out and allow yourself to be happy for one second. A truck coming in the opposite direction hits the snowdrift in the road, swerves out of its lane into Mia's family's lane and hits their car head on. They weren't going that fast, though. Mm -mm. So they weren't. But when they tried to stop and stuff. They probably skidded, went off course, and then just giant accident. Plus, the car that hit them was much bigger than their car. Courtney, is this not the most overdone, gut-wrenching thing in Hollywood is a sudden car accident? Well, to be fair, it was based on a book. No, I get it. But what I'm saying is, am I the only one that is like constantly worried about a semi-truck coming out of nowhere and plowing into me? 
No, I'm worried all the time. I'm a very nervous driver. I mean, I'm worried even when I'm not driving. I could just be like having a picnic and I'm like looking around because there could be a semi truck that could (laughs) come out of nowhere. Well, during the accident, Mia is ejected from the car. Okay, were they not wearing seatbelts? I don't understand. They were. I don't know how she was ejected. I don't see. I don't think it's possible to be ejected from the car if you're wearing a seatbelt. Oh, it is. Really? It is. Yeah. Can we Google that? Because then what the fuck is up with seatbelts? It prevents it. It's like a vaccine. So wearing a seatbelt prevents your chances of being ejected during an accident by 45%. Are you kidding me? That's not even half. Not even half. Yeah. I'm shooketh right now, but okay. So... At first, Mia wakes up on the road and you kind of think that she's coming too, but she looks completely unharmed. And then you realize that she's outside of her body and she's witnessing the scene of the accident. So there are paramedics, there's two cars that are completely destroyed. And then Mia sees paramedics working on her, working on on her body. She's trying to get people's attention. Nobody's listening. And I think it starts to kind of sink in. Wait a minute. Nobody can hear me. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me. Like Mia doesn't seem to understand the way ghosts work because she's like she sees her body on the ground. Like you are obviously not of this world, girl. She's like, why is no one answering me? (laughs) Welcome to what parenting feels like. Exactly. This is literally what parenting feels like. It is a car crash and no one's listening to you. She sees the wreckage of her car. She's screaming for her parents. She doesn't see either of her parents or her brother, but she does follow her body into the ambulance to the hospital. So Mia gets taken into surgery and she stands over her body and watches them perform surgery. And right before the surgery starts, one of the nurses leans over and whispers to the unconscious Mia and says, Mm -hmm. listen, girl, this is the way this works. We're going to do everything we can, but it's your choice whether or not you pull Mm -hmm. through. Like, it's your choice. The nurse is basically like, if you have any fight left in you, you need to give it now. Now is the time. We can only carry you so far. Ghost Mia then kind of floats through the hospital and goes to find her dad. Her dad is in surgery because he has a a traumatic brain injury that they're trying to repair. Was her brother also in surgery? No, her brother was not in surgery. He was conscious when they got him. I mean, no one's in good shape, but the only person that Mia can't seem to locate is her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. After hours of dad being in surgery, she thinks she sees him being wheeled back into the room next to her in the ICU. And then she realizes that that's not her dad. Right. And she overhears the nurses and the doctor talking about how mom was um, DOA and dad died on the table. Right. So her mom died at the scene and then her dad died in surgery. So Mia is an orphan now. Um, I just want to just I just want to pause for a second. You know, just Uh just a little pause. And I just want to say, I've been telling Courtney that I've been feeling a little espresso depresso this week. And she was like, girl, I got you. okay?" And then she picks this goddamn movie because she just wants me to just follow the light. Don't you, Courtney? Is that what you want? (laughs) You You know what? Live, laugh, toaster bath. Like it's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Ghost Mia immediately goes to Teddy, her little brother, and she's like, listen, dude, it's just me and you now. Like, you belong to me now. I'm not going to leave you. You know, she I think right now Mia's only incentive for surviving 
is because she doesn't want to leave Teddy alone. Yeah. And Mia also, as she's, you know, wandering through the halls, because she's seeing her her extended family come in, her grandparents, Mm -hmm. she even sees her best friend come in. And Adam runs into the hospital Mm -hmm. and tries to get into the ICU. He's immediately stopped by security and a nurse that's basically like, yo, you're not immediate family. You can't be in here. And Adam doesn't take it well. Adam's trying to elbow his way straight to the ICU room. I don't understand why you can't lie. I mean, it's not like they're going to do a blood test on you to figure out if you're immediate family. You could literally say, I'm her brother. And then, you know, they can ask questions if they see you guys, you know, French kissing. That's for another time. That's <laughs> You can cross that bridge when you get to it. But just lie <laughs> yeah. and get in there. Forgiveness, not permission, you know? Yeah. I would lie. For sure. I would literally, like, if I was trying to get into the ICU to see you, I would say I'm her sister. And if they looked at me like, girl, (laughs) you're brown, I would be like, excuse me? So I can't come in because I'm brown? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Listen, she was adopted by a Latina family. She doesn't know she's white, okay? Do not tell her that she's white. We've been telling her that she was just light-skinned for years. (laughs) Oh, man. Have you seen that girl trying to dance salsa? It's an atrocity. It's embarrassing. Okay. (laughs) But we love her. Okay. We love her even though she's white. (laughs) But anyway, it's really heartbreaking. Like Adam can't get back there to see her. And it's like she's on her deathbed. The best friend finds Adam on the roof. Mia's best friend finds Adam on the roof. And they kind of make a plot to get in to go see Mia. The best friend makes a huge scene about a woman giving birth in the bathroom and tells the security guard he needs to go check it out. The security guard leaves and then her and Adam immediately try to beeline straight for Mia. But again, they get blocked by a nurse. Yeah. So a nurse stops Adam right as he's trying to like touch Mia's face, Mm -hmm. yanks him away, calls security. They almost get in trouble. Obviously, ghost Mia is witnessing this. And in the commotion, when Adam and Mia's friend get pulled aside, a family friend is there and she's the one to tell them the little brother didn't make it. Yeah. The little brother had a brain hemorrhage that they didn't detect until too late. And he bled out and died. So now Mia is just devastated because, like, dead dad, dead mom, dead brother. Like, does Mia really want to make it at this point? Okay, so this is about the time when I texted Courtney, and I was like, WTF, Courtney, literally everyone dies. And Courtney's like, not everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Your precious Adam is still alive and fine. (laughs) That's all I care about. Do you know one good thing comes out of this whole sad situation, though? Adam writes a dope-ass sad song. (laughs) Yeah. Mia had once questioned why Adam never wrote a song about her, and he said he finds it hard to write songs about things that make him happy. Yeah. And Mia was like, hold my beer. (laughs) And got into a terrible accident. God, Mia, you didn't have to be this dramatic just to get him to write a song for you. Yeah. You know what, though? The songs that this character supposedly writes are actually really good. It's definitely my kind of music. Yeah, I love like the lyrics and I don't know. I really love Mm -hmm. his music. I wonder if there's a soundtrack to this movie where they have these songs there. Oh, probably. After Little Brother dies, Grandpa kind of, he goes to see Mia and he basically gives Mia permission to leave. He says that he really wants her to stay. But if she decides that it's too much and she wants to go, that it's okay. Yeah. 
Mia's not looking good. The doctors are not hopeful right now. And so all the friends and everybody, everything get to come in and say goodbye to Mia. So this is when Adam gets to play Mia, his sad song. Mm -hmm. He starts off their little goodbye meeting. He puts headphones on her and starts playing classical music. Mia's just getting ready to walk into the light. She is ready to walk into the light. Ghost Mia at this point is losing her hold on reality. And the Mm -hmm. hospital is starting to kind of turn into the other world. It's like people are fading away. She's starting to see this beautiful landscape outside. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that's keeping her tethered to life is Adam. Like him playing Mm -hmm. that classical music is connecting with her because she's hearing it playing overhead. Yeah, she opens the door to quote the other side, you know, and she hears the classical music and she backs up and she goes just after this piece. And then she's ghost me as transported back into her hospital room Mm -hmm. where she sees Adam playing her classical music. Yeah. And Adam tells her that she got into Juilliard. Yes. So he did another little cute breaking and entering. And then he committed an, another felony by stealing her mail and opening it. Mm-hmm. Love. White collar crime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After my own heart. He He's like, Mia, he's like, you got in. You got into Juilliard. Like, you can't die. Can you imagine, though, if it really came down to a decision How do you make that choice? Because at this point, her entire family is dead. And yeah, she does kind of have a future. But I'm pretty sure when she gets back in her body, she's going to she's not going to be the same person. Like, is she even going to want that life anymore? What if she got into this accident and during some sort of head trauma in the accident, she lost her ability to play cello? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say this. But that would be hilarious. <laughs> be so funny. Can you imagine she got into Juilliard in the first day at school? She's like, <laughs> and they're like, how the fuck did she get in here? Right. And they're like, ooh. And she's like, head trauma. I'm sorry. You're going to kick this disabled person out of Juilliard? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No, because, dude, like traumatic head injuries can change your entire personality. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, if like you had head trauma, but you like you got like the cool, like you got better? Like foreign accent syndrome. That's the head trauma I want. The foreign accent syndrome. You know what, though? We don't get to see what brain injury does to Mia. We get robbed of that hilarity of Mm -hmm. being able to see the Juilliard people be like, what in the world? Because, you know, they have (laughs) I don't know what kind of accent that was. I don't know. I feel like they have a very pretentious British accent over at Juilliard. I would think so. I would be disappointed if they don't. I know. (laughs) I think it's the Hogwarts. I think it's the actual Hogwarts. I think music is a metaphor for magic. Well, the song that Adam plays for Mia actually is magic of some sort. Because while he's playing this song for her and singing to her, she wakes up. She does. Like the screen goes white and then her eyes open. And so... Uh um. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. I hope she gets to go home with a couple duffel bags of antidepressants because things are going to be hard, my girl. There is a second book called if um, called what I chose, what she chose, what she chose. OK, yeah. Depression. <laughs> <laughs> she chose depression, depression, binge eating. Yeah, the normal. Just the usual stuff. Now you're fun. Now you're fun, Mia. Congratulations. 
Um, instead of playing cello, she woke up with the ability to play the drums and she joins Adam's band. Ooh, that'd be no, is that what really happens? No. Oh my god, that would be so cool. I <laughs> thought you were gonna say she wakes up and she can and she could play the flute, and Adam would have been like, I wish you died. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. She woke up with a burning fires of hell rage hate against punk rock music. Oh, my God. Like, it just makes her projectile vomit every time she hears it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. She breaks out in hives. Yeah. She woke up lesbian. She woke up lesbian. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Courtney requests, very humble request. Can we pick a not so depressing movie for next week? I'll see what I can do, but like no promises. <laughs> you just love pushing me right over the edge, don't ya? <laughs> you know, I feel like I find a new 13th reason every single day. Lately, it's been my kids flat out roasting the dinner I cook while they're <laughs> eating it at the table. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess the teapot is empty for today. We should have spiked it with, you should have told me I would have spiked it with uh, some Sanix. It could have been Sanix tea. <laughs> You know what? Like we talked about before, benzos are the most popular drug in the United States because this is the world we live in. Okay. Well, don't worry. More is bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with a happier episode. I hope so, Courtney. We'll see you next time. Bye.